Locked on LSU host Caroline Fenton is here joining me on this Friday before Super Bowl Sunday, February 11, 2022, right here on Locked On Bearcats. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Frank welcoming you to today's show on this Friday. Two days, just two days before Super Bowl Sunday. So two big players in this game. If you're a Bengals fan, I'm sure you know and everyone knows Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You know them as Cincinnati Bengals. But my guest today knows them also as Bayou Bengals because she covered them when she was at Louisiana State University back in 2015 through 2019. Nowadays, she's the host of the Locked On LSU podcast, and she's also the co-host of Stillman & Company on Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN 1025, The Game. You can hear them from 3 to 7 Eastern Time to 2 to 6 Central Time. She is Caroline Fenton. Caroline, thank you so much for taking the time today. How are you on this Friday before Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I'm just ready for the Super Bowl, to to be completely honest with you. I mean, I feel like it's something that we've talked about on our show on Stillman & Company for so long, and it's finally here. And if you would have paid me a million dollars to say who would have been in the Super Bowl, I probably would give up a lot of money to say, you know, because I wouldn't have guessed the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl. But I think it's good for the sport to finally see, you know, a little bit of a shakeup in the AFC. It's not just your your repeat offenders of the usual AFC contenders in the Super Bowl. So I'm super excited to see what Sunday brings. Joe Burrow is only the sixth quarterback, sixth AFC quarterback since I believe since 2003 to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, the sixth different quarterback. From that conference. And you also have some new blood in Matthew Stafford. Caroline, I'm sure that's got to make you happy. Two SEC quarterbacks. Two SEC quarterbacks who were both drafted number one overall playing in the Super Bowl. Only the second time that's happened. So, Caroline, you covered Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase at LSU. You're a proud Mm -hmm. LSU alum. Um, I'll just ask you straight up. What was it like covering them during their um, Bayou Bengals days? Yeah, so I covered the team from 2015 to 2019, so through the 2018 season. So I was just one year short of a pretty remarkable season. Um, So covering those two in 2018, Jamar Chase, he wasn't really – you know, a huge contributor to this offense. He had, I want to say, three to four hundred something yards in the 2018 season. My last, uh, my last year covering the team in Baton Rouge. So it wasn't really. I I didn't think of Jamar Chase as really anything different, anything special, because we've had plenty of incredibly special wide receivers come out of LSU. You know, you look at one. LSU Tiger who will be in the Super Bowl and Odell Beckham Jr. You look at Jefferson Landry. You look at some incredibly accomplished you look at Justin Jefferson, for example. Justin Jefferson was a name very much so that we we talked a lot about in 2018. Um, but Jamar Chase, he was a freshman. He was he didn't have a ton of experience in 2018. But we saw Joe Burrow come in in 2018. And when he first came in in 2018, there was a quarterback battle between he and Miles Brennan, who was, who was starting quarterback for LSU this year, he was out last year with an injury. And Will Burrow, of course, won the starting job and the rest was history. But I remember you asking me, 
when Joe Burrow came in in 2018, did you know that he was going to ultimately go to the Super Bowl in just a handful of years? Did you know that he was going to be something special? And I told you admittedly, no, I didn't. Because Joe Burrow didn't have a special season in 2018. Joe Burrow didn't do anything absolutely outstanding. Actually, if you look at his stats in 2018, there's nothing special. I think he had like 16 passing touchdowns, seven running touchdowns. Nothing totally spectacular. You could tell that Joe Burrow was better, was an upgrade from what LSU had had in the past. But if you follow LSU football, you can understand that an upgrade from what LSU had in the past isn't necessarily saying a lot. <laughs> I mean, you had Danny Etling, you had Brennan Jennings, you know, you had Jordan Jefferson in the last national championship for that. You know, you had Matt Mock. You know, not, there were no LSU quarterbacks that you really wanted to write home about. So you knew that Joe Burrow was definitely an upgrade, but I didn't necessarily know that Joe Burrow was going to be what he is today. Joe Shiesty that we all know and love. Until the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st, 2019. I was actually there. I was in Phoenix, Arizona. LSU taking on UCF. And it was the moment where Joe Burrow got targeted so hard. And it was a target no call. He got smacked in the neck. Like, he was he was bleeding from his neck. He was down on his hands and knees trying to gasp for air after he got hit so hard. And then he popped back up the next play and ran for, like, a 95-yard touchdown run. It was there in that moment that I knew, oh, this dude's different. This dude's special. It was also against Florida, where LSU's offensive line couldn't protect him for anything. I'm sure Cincinnati Bengals fans know that all too well. Well, we saw it, we saw it in your home city right now. Saw, it, saw nine sacks against the Titans, but he got smacked and smacked and got knocked down over and over again. I mean, the poor kid just took a beating, and every time he just popped back up after every single hit, after every single sack. And whenever the Bengals were coming into town against the Titans to face each other in the divisional round, I said that about, about Joe Burrow. I said, this Titans defensive line is astonishing. It's one of the better in the NFL. It's the reason why the Titans beat the now contending Super Bowl champion, the Los Angeles Rams was because of that defensive line. And everyone was saying, well, how can the Titans lose with this defensive line against the Cincinnati offensive line that can't, you know, stop a nosebleed? And I said, well, Joe Burrow is different. Joe Burrow doesn't get – Joe Burrow can get hit and knocked down time after time after time, and he'll pop right back up, and that's only fuel for the fire. And my co-host told me, like, that's ridiculous. Like, all quarterbacks get spooked. I said, not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is different. And I knew that after the 2019 Fiesta Bowl, that Joe Burrow was just different. I do remember you saying that on your show in Nashville. I listened to it all week leading up to oh, the game you. to get a Titans perspective, and I, 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 I appreciate it. You're being very complimentary of Joe Burrow and how tough he is. So let's go to 2019 with Joe Burrow. He wins the Heisman Trophy. He wins the national championship. He wins a whole slew of other awards. So you mentioned the Fiesta Bowl in 2018. You knew he was different. I remember week two at Texas in 2019. He throws for 470 plus yards and uh, yeah. chase uh, Justin Jefferson. I, uh, who was that other receiver that had 100 yards in that game? I think it was Terrace Marshall. Am I right on that? Yeah, Terrace Marshall Jr. Okay, Terrace Marshall Jr. He was really good, too, on that team. Yeah, so, great. was there a moment during that season, during Burrow's final season at LSU, that you knew this guy can not only win the Heisman, he can be the number one overall pick, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Because if I remember correctly, he was a projected sixth-round pick going into that year, Carolina. Am I right on that? And when did you know he could be – 
a Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick. I don't know for certain going into the 2019 season where his draft projection was, but sixth round sounds about right because, like I said, in 2018, he wasn't really anything incredibly special. He was to us LSU fans to finally see, you know, his light at the end of the, the quarterback tunnel. But nationally, it's not like he was anything special. You mentioned the Texas game. That absolutely was a game that I kind of look back on 2019 in circle as this team being different and led by Joe Burrow, because that was a game, you know, kind of like a border war between LSU and Texas. That was a game that there was a ton of animosity going into it. If you remember going into that game, so LSU proudly calls itself DBU because LSU just pumps out defensive backs and and you see it in the NFL today. And Texas wore shirts that said DBU and burnt orange and white. And so just from the very beginning, there was so much animosity and so much chatter going into that game that L- that Joe Burrow just kind of took on wholeheartedly. He didn't view that as a challenge. He didn't view that as any sort of like intimidating thing. He viewed it as, you know, bring it on. He never got to the point where he let the pressure come over him. We saw it against Texas. We saw it against Alabama. We saw it against Oklahoma in the college football playoff and then ultimately Clemson in the national championship. That on the biggest stages, that's where he thrived best. On the biggest stages, he didn't necessarily succumb to the pressure. Because to him, that's like I can only assume the pressure really fueled him. So you mentioned Texas. That was absolutely a game where we kind of knew he was different. Alabama. We always play Alabama that first weekend in November. So at that point, there was plenty of games underneath LSU's belt, but Alabama is the biggest test every year. Is you know, you can beat the Auburns, you can beat the Ole Misses, you can beat the Mississippi States, but can you beat the big guy in Alabama? And after LSU beat Alabama, that's when I was convinced, signed, sealed, delivered, this team is special, this quarterback is special. And then you saw it against Oklahoma. I mean, they had what? Uh, 60,000 points in the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing that was going to hold that team back. And so I think, you know, after it very early in that 2019 season, you just knew that there was going to be something different about this team. When LSU beat Alabama, I agree with you, Caroline. That was when I wanted the Bengals to draft Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow was almost a member of another Cincinnati team before the Bengals took him number one overall yeah. in 2020. I'll get to that next. Um, hang on with just one second here, Caroline. I got to get this betonline.net live read in because BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in just two days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bearcats podcast. I should say thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Caroline Fenton from Lockdown LSU and 1025 The Game. Stillman and Company is here with me today. You can follow her on Twitter at Caroline Fenton1. Caroline, I mentioned before um, we got that live read in that Joe Burrow was almost, and I do remember this, of course, being a UC alum, Bearcat alum, a Cincinnati Bearcat. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow was almost going to go to Cincinnati, but Ed Orgeron, learn him to LSU. You were there at the time. Do you remember anything specifically 
that that Ed Orgeron, former LSU head coach, did or say to Joe Burrow that got him to Baton Rouge? So I do remember the story of Ed Orgeron bringing Joe Burrow to a restaurant in Baton Rouge, um, Sullivan's. It's a seafood restaurant in Baton Rouge. It's a great restaurant, by the way. If you're from Baton Rouge, check it out. Um, Hashtag not sponsored. But he brought him to this restaurant and ordered crawfish, knowing good and well that this restaurant did not serve crawfish. He ordered, I want to say, like six, eight pounds of crawfish. Just such a, you know, like big guy, tough guy move. Like, I know that this place doesn't serve crawfish, but I want to show him, like, how important and how special I am here. So that was one story in particular that I remember. And, I, you know, other than that, you know, I've heard a couple stories come out about Adora's run talking to Joe Burrow's brother, saying, you know, if he wants to be a winner, he's going to come to LSU. Um, nothing specific in my time there, because like I said at the time, it wasn't like LSU was fishing after this five-star recruit, like this Arch Manning type of quarterback recruit. To us, he was just like this, this guy who was a grad transfer from Ohio State who would ultimately end up being one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic player to come out of, of LSU. But if there is one thing I know about Ed Orgeron is that he is a master recruiter. You know, you can say what you want about his X's and O's. You can say what he want about his in-game coaching. But he is a master recruiter. He knows how to kind of get people where it hurts and kind of hit their soft spot and get people to want to be a part of whatever he is a part of. So I hear the crawfish story and I hear the story of him connecting with Joe Burrow's brother and trying to get him to get Joe to come to LSU. Um, but I'm sure that that only scratches the surface of the lengths that Ed Orgeron went to in order to get Joe Burrow to get to come to LSU. And I remember Joe Burrow. I, I, I remember when he was maybe going to come to Cincinnati and he ended up not, of course, thinking, well, there goes UC's chances of ultimately, you know, getting back to bowl relevancy. Well, little did I know that uh, the Bearcats would still not only get back to a bowl game, but, but the college football playoff. And yeah. Joe Burrow would be this great quarterback down at LSU. And I mean, now he's doing great things with the Cincinnati Bengals. So I was reading something today in the athletic Carolina about how revered Joe Burrow is in the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, how revered is he down in the Pelican state? Oh, he's everything. <laughs> I mean, Joe Burrow is everything. And I think that there's a couple different caveats to this because I say this wholeheartedly and I understand that I'm biased. But I've lived in four different states now, and I'm very well versed in the in the world of college football. But I say this wholeheartedly and that there is no flagship university that means more to its state than LSU means to Louisiana. So the entire state of Louisiana lives, breathes, dies LSU and LSU football, even if you didn't go to LSU. If you grew up in Louisiana, if you live in Louisiana, you're an LSU fan. And LSU had been stuck in this rut of almost like mediocrity. And I say mediocrity, and that comes with an asterisk because mediocre in the SEC West is completely different than mediocre anywhere else. But it was like LSU could never get over that hump of making it to the SEC championship. There was always a block there. LSU could never find and develop a a superstar quarterback that could get them past the Auburns, the Ole Misses, the Floridas, the Alabamas of the SEC. LSU had just always been pretty stuck. 
So Joe Burrow was that guy that got them past it. And it's not that he was just incredible on the field because he was, and he was the guy that was able to kind of bring LSU even more so into the national spotlight and was the guy that was able to lead LSU into beating Alabama and bringing them into the biggest stage in college football. But Joe Burrow also embraced the state of Louisiana like it was his own. I am not from Louisiana. I was born and raised in St. Louis. I went to LSU for undergrad. So I understand how when you come to Louisiana, when you come to the state of Louisiana, when you go to LSU, there's a little bit of part of it that kind of gets into your DNA. Because Louisiana is different than any other state in the entire country. Louisiana culture is different. The people are different. The way of life is different. And you either love it or you hate it. It's either for you or it's not for you. And for me personally, it's it's everything to me. I love the state of Louisiana. It's a part of me. It's a part of my life. And I think that the people of Louisiana saw Joe Burrow coming into LSU, a guy from Ohio, a guy who had spent his entire college career, undergrad career, at Ohio State, come into Louisiana and accept and love the people of Louisiana, accept and love the culture of LSU, and want to bring that football team something great. I mean, like you remember – Senior night, that last game against Texas A&M, Joe Burrow runs out of the tunnel wearing a jersey that says Burrow, B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X. And that was just, you know, the most quintessential example of Joe Burrow embracing and loving the people in the culture of Louisiana. So not only was he successful on the field, but he's just such a lovable guy. As Bengals fans, absolutely no one understand. He's such a likable guy. And I think that LSU fans just appreciate the fact that he embraced Louisiana and, you know, opened his arms wholeheartedly to the people of Louisiana. Yeah, and, he, and there's no doubt that Joe Burrow is, uh, I would say right now, the unofficial mayor of Cincinnati with what he's done for the Bengals. And you talk about him getting LSU out of mediocrity and being that uh, cream of the crop in the SEC West in 2019. I mean, I remember in Carolina, I know your days at LSU, 2015 LSU was really good. They had Leonard Fournette who has, of course, done wonderful things in the NFL with the Jaguars and Buccaneers, but they got hammered by Bama that year. They lose to Alabama again in 2017. 2018, they lose 29 to nothing. Then finally, Joe Burrow, and I think along with the help of Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator in 2019, mm -hmm. and of course, when it helps you have the all otherworldly receiving core of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, Terrace Marshall Jr., and then I'll even add Clyde Edwards Lair in there. Yeah. They're finally able to get over the hump of LSU. I'm sorry, of Alabama in 2019. And I, I want to turn the, the page, Caroline, to Jamar Chase because mm -hmm. for as much love as Joe Burrow gets here, Jamar Chase and his otherworldly speed and athleticism. And, you know, there was, of course, all the talk in the preseason. He can't catch a ball. The Bengals should have taken Panay Sewell, blah, 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 blah. I heard it all. And I I wanted Jamar Chase to be the pick. He was. Um when Jamar Chase, and you mentioned it earlier, he only played two years at LSU. Mm -hmm. How did he make that jump from year one when he was maybe just another receiver on the team to year two where he wins the Fred Belindikoff Award and all of a sudden he's a first-round draft prospect? How did he make that leap so quickly? I think when it comes down to it, he came into LSU with all of the abilities that he had that second year and that year in 2019 that LSU won the national championship, he was just in line behind a lot of other receivers. And that in 2018, his freshman year, LSU still very much so was a run first offense. You look at Nick Grosset, who had a thousand plus yards that 2018 year. You look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire as well, who had a solid amount of yards. It really was a run first team. Joe Burrow even 
had a good bit of rushing yards. So I think combined with the fact that he was a freshman in line behind several other wide receivers, Justin Jefferson being one of them, Stefan Sullivan being another one, guys who had kind of waited their turn and been in the program and developed themselves. They all got the starting nods over Jamar Chase, which is just nothing but really a seniority thing. Um, and then I think the following year, whenever Jamar Chase had more time to develop, had more time to be in the weight room and practice, learn the offense, and when other guys were graduating out, it was his turn and his time to shine. Um, and it's really interesting because you hear a lot of stories coming out now that Jamar Chase initially committed to Kansas, um, following Les Miles to Kansas. And Les Miles told him, look, you're not good enough to be a wide receiver here. And then he ultimately found his way to, to LSU. And now we have learned that he very much so is good enough not only to be a wide receiver in college football, but in the NFL as well. Um, so, I, you know, he – he didn't get that opportunity to really stand out in 2018 just because of seniority things. Um, that's really all that I can can assume that that was the case there. What about his um, connection with Joe Burrow? Because, of course, we heard Joe Burrow say after they beat the Chiefs in the first time in January in the regular season, Joe Burrow said in his postgame press conference, F it, Jamar's down there somewhere. And, yeah, I, mean, I they love just it. Like, they're on the oh, that's one of the best quotes I've heard. And that third and 27 play is going to live on in Bengals lore. But I want to ask you because you saw it before all of us saw it. What about Burrow and Chase's connection makes it so special? Well, to be completely honest with you, I was one of those people going into this past year's draft that said, Look, I have to wear two different hats. I can wear my LSU hat that says, please draft Jamar Chase because there's nothing more in this world that I would love to see than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase reunited in the NFL. But I was like, but I have to put on my you know, professional sportscaster hat, my football hat, and say the best thing for Joe Burrow's future and the best thing to protect this quarterback is to draft Panay Sewell because he was coming off of an knee injury. I said, this Bengals offensive line is going to murder Joe Burrow. But that's the reason why I'm not in an NFL front office. That's the reason why I'm not a general manager. And that's the reason why I don't draft because they obviously knew something more than I did. Uh, because that, that connection is undeniable. And I think it, it's two-sided. It's Joe Burrow trusting Jamar Chase to know that he's going to be there. And that's Jamar Chase knowing that his quarterback is going to give him the right read and is going to give the right pass to make the, the play that he needs to make. And I think that's really only something that you can build off of time, experience, and success together. And that's what Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have had. I mean, they had two years in college together. And then that, that 2020 year in which Jamar Chase opted out, Joe Burrow was hurt, and then come back in 2021. That's an undeniable connection that really just takes time to build. And I think that's something that you see a lot of times in the NFL is, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers or quarterbacks and pass catchers may take some time to acclimate with one another. I mean, you see it, for example, with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams kind of seem like a package deal at this point. Devontae Adams said, you know, I want to go where Aaron goes. And Aaron said, I'm not going to make up my mind of where I want to go until March 8th, because that's the franchise tag deadline. And I want to know if Devontae Adams is going to stay in Green Bay or not. That's an undeniable connection. When you find it, you can't you you can't separate it. So I think with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, they were able to establish that connection very early on in college, and then you worked. That's another thing. So like you can have your friends all over, but if it's not a connection that you know works, then it's kind of you know it's kind of productive there. But they knew that they those two could 
make a connection that worked that they found a lot of success with. And it doesn't matter if you're facing an NFL defense or, an, or a college defense or a high school defense or whatever it may be. If a connection is undeniable, then that's exactly what it is. Well, I think the the realization that that connection was undeniable and that it, it that it does work. Uh, we realized that in the very first game of the season, the 50-yard touchdown from Burrow to Chase right before yeah. halftime. And in the big games this year, Carolinas, I'm sure you've seen, against Baltimore, Chase, eight receptions, 201 yards and a touchdown. Against Kansas City, 11 receptions, 266 yards and three touchdowns. And then in the Chiefs, he had a touchdown that um, set up the game tying two-point conversion. Caroline, real quick, I'm going to – uh, tell our listeners here about Built Bar because this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. Spoiler alert, I didn't make any, um, but not this year. So really, I haven't given up on my New Year's resolutions because I'm sticking to it by eating right thanks to Built Bar because it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I can actually enjoy eating Built Bars. Have you tried the Puffs? Because if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony churro. Mm, that sounds good. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Compare that to Built Bar. They only contain 130 calories. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Super Week brought to you by GetUpside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL Podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. I should have said that at the start of the second segment. No, well. But then the third segment, Caroline Fenton from Locked On LSU is my guest today. You can follow her on Twitter at Caroline Fenton One. She's also the host or co-host, excuse me, of Stillman and Company on ESPN 102.5, the game Nashville's best sports talk. And Caroline, we just were talking about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but I want to ask you this because I'm curious. And um, when I was a student at Cincinnati, I interned at WLWT News 5. Brandon Seho used to be a reporter in Baton Rouge. He covered LSU. And he would tell me, you know, how special it was when the whole team ran out in Death Valley, 100,000-plus fans inside Tiger Stadium. What was it like going to school at LSU and in the SEC and then covering LSU, a team in the SEC, which is the best college football conference? I mean, undeniably the best college football conference, and I'm very much so biased in that and saying that, but I think it's it's biased based in truth. Um, going to LSU, I can confidently say was the absolute best decision that I've ever made in my life. Um, I grew up in St. Louis. Both of my parents went to the University of Tennessee. Um, nobody in my family had gone to LSU. I had no family connections at LSU. I had no connections whatsoever at LSU. But when I was a senior in high school, I I applied to LSU just, you know, to see because I wanted to go to school in the in the SEC and um ended up just going to visit just to see what it was like. And it was almost like an instant connection. Whenever I walked on campus for my first tour, it was like, oh, like you know, people always say like love at first sight um, in a relationship. That's kind of how I felt with LSU. It was almost like love at first sight. Like I just felt like there was something different about that place. Um, and that's because it is. And I, I mentioned it, Louisiana is different in the best possible way, in my opinion. It's the culture, it's the people, it's the food, it's the way of life. And it's just the most 
um, welcoming and loving place. I always say that life has lived just a little bit bigger in Louisiana and things just mean a little bit more in Louisiana. Um, and that's exactly what I felt when my time there and going to LSU, it was such a blast going somewhere where everyone was just all in on everything. You know, it didn't matter if it was, sorry about that. Um, oh, it didn't sorry. matter if it was, you know, a football game or if it was a women's basketball game or a gymnastics meet, everyone was just all on board for LSU to be an LSU tiger. Um, and it was just, it was a, an absolute blast. I mean, LSU is the entire reason why I am where I am today. It was the people who bought into me, who supported me, the connections that I made all through LSU. Um, it's, it truly is such a wonderful network of people. And it's always so fun whenever people ask where I went to school and I say LSU and they say, oh my gosh, that was probably so fun. And I'm like, yes, it, every single minute of it was absolutely a blast. Worked hard, played hard and enjoyed every single second of it. And I, I, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to say that I am an LSU alum. Um, but covering the team was completely different perception of, you know, I was once a student sitting in, in Tiger Stadium in the student section, and then I turned into, you know, a student reporter and covering the games. It gave me a whole new appreciation for LSU football, being able to be on the field, shoot the games. And I remember it was, I want to say Alabama 2018. And, you know, Mo Bamba was playing on the on the speakers and the whole student section was just erupting. The whole stadium was completely packed. Like you could feel it in the air that it was just completely different. And it was just like you, you, like you could feel the stadium shaking. Um, so that was really cool to kind of see it from a different perspective and to be able to cover such a huge team while I was a student. You know, I was 19, 20, 21 years old covering one of the biggest college football programs in the country. Um, it was a wonderful experience. It was, you know, it, it really made me and built me into the, shaped me into the person that I am today. Is LSU, so I'm taking it LSU men's basketball is yeah. big down there. And they've so, had some good teams over the years. So it is big. And it's kind of a bummer because half of my collegiate career um, was in the Johnny Jones era. You know, Ben Simmons was there my freshman year. He did absolutely nothing for the school. Men's basketball, my first half. And yeah, an overall number one pick. Number one overall pick was abysmal at LSU. Didn't even make the NIT. Um, so my, the first half of my time at LSU, men's basketball was just like, you know, I kind of wrote it off. I prefer to go to gymnastics meets. Um, instead of men's basketball games, whenever Will Wade came in and just put a bunch of energy and excitement into the team and actually started winning, um, that's when things started to shift. So yeah, men's basketball absolutely is a huge deal in Baton Rouge. So you mentioned you're from St. Louis. You went to school at LSU. Now you're you're working in Nashville. Do you have any connections to Cincinnati? Have you been to Cincinnati? Any stories if you have been and your thoughts on the Bearcats? Because we are going to be joining the Power Five Conference here in the next couple of years, which I'm looking forward to, maybe we'll cross paths in the Big 12 SEC Challenge yeah. and men's basketball. But do you have any connections or stories about Cincinnati if you've been to the Queen City? Yeah, so I've been to Cincinnati once. I went growing up. Um, I went to Skyline, Chile. And I know that go. it is the sacred cow in the city of St. Louis, er, Cincinnati, excuse me. Not a fan. Too happy. Not a, what? I am not a fan of Skyline Chili, but my former boss, um, Ryan Porth, who was the programming director at 125 The Game, who is now in Chicago, he's from Cincinnati, diehard Bearcats fan, diehard Reds fan. He loves Cincinnati. He loves Skyline Chili, and I would always give him a hard time about how, how 
how bad I thought Skyline Chili was. But well, wonderful city. Do love Cincinnati very much. I'm not really sure how to proceed after that. You don't like Skyline Chili. Did, so did you have gold? Did, did you have gold star? I don't know what that is. Gold Star Chili is the other main chili um, in Cincinnati. I happen to like both, okay. and I know I'm going to okay. get a lot of crap. I'm, I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for saying that because the joke at UC was Xavier eats Gold Star. Well, Gold Star Chili is an, is the official chili sponsor of the Bengals, so I felt that I could eat it, and I and I do like both. Do I prefer Skyline Chili? But I mean, now I will say this: I need to get to St. Louis and try some ribs because. Absolutely. As someone who loves barbecue, I've been to Nashville. I, I, if there wasn't a long line in Hattie B's when I was there for the Bengals Titans playoff game, I, you better believe I would have gotten my hands on some of that. I've There's been to Memphis. Yeah, oh, it, it was ridiculous. And I've been to Memphis many times. Love their barbecue. Great barbecue so, in Memphis. St. Louis and Kansas City and Texas are on my list. So, okay, we got uh, obviously Sunday. We all know it. Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday here in Cincinnati. It's a big deal. By the way, I haven't. This is a Bearcats podcast, and I haven't mentioned this. The Bearcats play Tulsa tomorrow night in men's basketball, seven o'clock tip ESPN Plus at Tulsa. Bearcats are sixteen and seven, six and four in the American Athletic Conference. They look to sweep the season series against Tulsa. More on that next week. But there's a big game in Cincinnati this week, and we're talking with Caroline Fenton, the host of Locked On LSU. She's got a few alums or her school's got a few alums playing in this game. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Shelvin, Andrew Whitworth is playing in this game. Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, never thought I'd say that. Odell Beckham Jr. is playing in the Super Bowl, but here we are. Um, Caroline, your thoughts on the matchup Sunday and your score prediction as to who will win Super Bowl 56. So I'm going to lay it out here as a as an avid sports better. I'm going to take Cincinnati plus four and a half. That's the spread where it is now. Cincinnati with the points, but I am going to take the Rams on the money line. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I would say if I have to give a score prediction, I would say like 31-28 Rams. I just think with Aaron Donald, like it's going to be, I think Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. And Aaron Donald is going to give Cincinnati's front offensive front just a run for their money. I saw it here in Nashville. The Titans were able to get to Joe Burrow way too many times. This offensive line has a really tough time of trying to protect him. And I know that it has not stopped them so far this season. I mean, they're in the Super Bowl. Um, and I do think that Joe Burrow is able to, you know, scramble and avoid a few sacks there. And like I said, Joe Burrow is the kind of guy that if he gets hit, he'll just – snap right back up. Um, but I think that Aaron Donald is going to kind of give the Bengals the business, but I think that Cincinnati is going to be able to keep it close. So I'm going to take Cincinnati plus four and a half Rams on the money line. I'm of that. Even putting some, uh, some spreads and some money line in there. Um, I, I completely agree. Caroline with, with your um, thought on Aaron Donald. And, and I do fear about him because the right side of the Bengals offensive line, it's not very good. Um, but and I'm not, I, I'm going to say I, I, it's Joe Burrow for me. Joe Burrow, as you know, does not lose big games. Nope. And the Rams, I would argue, are lucky to be in this game. They could have, they should have lost to Tampa Bay despite dominating that game throughout much of it. They could have lost to San Francisco. Jaquiski Tart still has to be sick to his stomach not intercepting that ball. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be a three point game as well. I'm right with you, Caroline, but I'm going to take the Bengals to win it 30 to 27. And I'll even throw this in there. 
They'll win it on a 45-yard field goal at the gun by Evan McPherson. Money Mac, bank on it. Money Mac is right. I mean, we were talking about that on our show here, that why can't the Titans find a kicker like that? Why every single time the Titans send their kicker out to kick a 45-yard field goal, we're all just biting our nails because we have no idea if he's even going to be able to kick that far. Give me a kicker like Evan McPherson. I mean, that guy has got ice in his veins. I have some sympathy for you because the Bengals had Randy Bullock, the Titans' current kicker, for years. And Randy. My, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, no, no, don't get me started on them. He pulled his calf <laughs> against the Chargers. No, he didn't. He just missed the kick. Um, yeah. And why Mike Vrabel didn't send him out for an extra point after a uh, penalty on the Bengals early in that playoff game, I don't know. They didn't kick a 50-plus yard field goal in the fourth quarter. They went for it on fourth down, and Derrick Henry didn't get the first down. So, the game of football, Caroline, can come down to the kicker, and uh, I think Absolutely. we <laughs> we know that too well. Caroline Fenton from Locked On LSU. You can follow her um, at Caroline Fenton one on Twitter. She's also the co-host of Stillman and Company on Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN one zero two five. The game, Caroline. Thank you again so much for your time today. Enjoy the game on Sunday. I'm sure you will. Watching your LSU alums. On the field, either way, and LSU will LSU will have a Super Bowl winning player, regardless of which team wins. Caroline, thank you as always. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Good luck on Sunday to your Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you. It is a great time here in Cincinnati. Caroline Fenton from the Locked On LSU podcast. That's going to do it for me today and this week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's N N A T I. You can follow me on Instagram Alex Frank nine underscore and. Email me at alex3frank at gmail.com. All lowercase, alex, the number three, frank at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Next week, of course, Monday. Hopefully it's a good Monday. Hopefully it's a victory Monday. The Bengals in Super Bowl 56 on Sunday. Bearcats in Tulsa. Saturday night men's basketball. Huge week next week for the Bearcats. Three men's basketball games. Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. We'll have it all here. Lockdown Bearcats. Uh, Look ahead to the Combine. So much to get to. Thank you to Caroline Fenton um, from Lockdown LSU and ESPN 1025 The Game Nashville. Great conversation. That that was phenomenal. Um, Just really good uh, in-depth conversation on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase at LSU and LSU in general. I've always been fascinated by what it's like to cover a team in the SEC. I can't wait till UC gets to a Power 5 conference. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. We'll talk to you next Monday. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday, and we will talk to you on Monday.